This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Presidential Pardon, the only podcast willing to seduce you, cut out our heart, and put it in your fucking hands. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. Tonight we're covering Season 2, Episode 13, Chapter 26 of House of Cards. Uh, this was a great finale for me. I I really thought this was the most impressive episode of the season, uh, as a finale should be. The only thing I didn't like about it, no Freddy. No Freddy. Freddy never made an appearance again after blowing up his uh, barbecue joint. Yeah, that's, that's too bad. <laughs> what do you think his future is? I'm really hoping he gets appointed as the White House chef <laughs> now that Frank is president. I really hope so. Just ribs are the only thing on the menu. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I mean, but they still bring out the menu for everyone right. who comes to the White House, but all it just says is ribs. What's for breakfast this morning, Freddie? Ribs, Frank. <laughs> it's like 11 o'clock. I need a, I need a late night snack. Well, I, got, I can make you half rack of ribs, Frank. How about them ribs? Yep. Uh, for dinner, slow bled ribs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my favorite. <laughs> Francis will ran through a law a law through Congress and sign it that uh, that makes slow bleeding pigs legal. It's actually illegal you know to non slow so well, bleed, bleed, bleed pigs. All right. Uh, so Frank is president. Wow, that's huge. He goes from uh, from nobody from the majority whip. I mean, it's not nobody um, into the White House as vice president last season, and now president this season i do want to take a slight exception i don't think this is the best episode of the season no i think the episode four was better where uh, uh claire went on national tv and handled that reporter with the sexual assault charges and uh her allegations of abortions and infidelity all that crap that was a very good one i yes. liked episode nine which is uh where frank or uh, freddie did blow up his uh, rib shack <laughs> uh-huh uh, but honestly last year where the show peaked at the death of Russo, yeah. and then kind of felt like all the other episodes were a denouement towards the, the finale. Mm-hmm. I felt like this show pretty much had its pedal to the metal, with with rare exception. I'm, I can only think of one or two episodes which were kind of a catch-your-breath type. Sure. In, in fact, I think this season overall is everything is more of what we liked about season one and less of what we didn't like. Uh, think about it. there yeah, was although no I, embarrassing I, press conference. You know, there was no I O U I. You see, know. I didn't mind that stuff. I thought 
I thought it was interesting to watch. There was never a plot line in the first season that I didn't have fun watching. With this one, I really just hated Lucas's. Well, line. you do. I I guess there wasn't a single plot line that was as stupid as the Lucas thing, or not as stupid, but just it's unenjoyable to watch. I, do you think it's uh, worth it to where we got to the end with Gavin? Because I actually think yeah, this yeah. Gavin moving forward is interesting. All right, why don't we talk about Gavin and Stamper first? Okay. Because this, the lid is just blown wide off of this at the end with Stamper's death because Gavin is essentially trying to blackmail Stamper into protecting him from the FBI. And now that Stamper's not around, he can't do that. So where does that leave Gavin? Well, yeah, with Stamper, I thought that he was going to bring in Gavin as kind of like their cyber... I mean, can you imagine oh. having Gavin on the White House's side? Yeah. Now, the thing about Gavin is he is uh, you know, just shy of an anarchist. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't know how much of the establishment he would go along with or how reliable he'd be. Um, yeah, he actually says to the FBI agent, been, I have been actively working against the FBI for years. Right. But I don't know, does, does he consider himself a patriot? I think so. Is there something that Frank could use to, hmm. you know, make him think that his skills are being appreciated and used in a way that, you know, I could basically can Frank pull the wool over on him or send him on some mission that he would agree with yeah. to keep him on, to keep him happy for at least a season. If if he did try that, it would have to be something where Gavin feels that he's not being pressured into it because he does not want to be under anyone's thumb. Right. That's his his main thing this episode. I want to get out from under the FBI. But... What – let me ask you this. One of the core things that started off this whole trade war with China was cyber terror – with cyber warfare. Uh-huh. The, the, the China and Chinese wow. officially yeah. engaging as a national entity with cyber warfare of the United States and the fact that we're kind of behind the times on that and uh-huh. vulnerable to it. What if Gavin is our soldier in that war against China? God, that would be cool. That would be real cool because, A, I like the actor a lot. Uh, and B, I think that he's not barking like a dog. (laughs) Sure. Sure. When he doesn't have nose chin in his apartment telling him (laughs) what to do. Ugh, rubber Uh, face. (laughs) But I think that's perfect. Like you said, we started off the season with that. It's got to be a continuing threat and he's the perfect guy to try to deal with it. We debated at, you know, when uh, Rachel clubbed, uh, Stamper with the brick or rock or whatever, Uh whether he was dead or not, but they made pretty clear (laughs) Stamper's dead. Yeah, yeah, unless I think so. he just sleeps gently in broad daylight, face down in the leaves with his eyes open and pale faced with <laughs> no color in his skin, just like now that's Stamper. <laughs> this is the first time we've seen him in natural light. Okay, <laughs> he's not being lit by a cell phone or fluorescent uh, light or a dome light in his car. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing that this brings in, uh, Rachel kills him obviously and Rachel's runs off. Rachel probably has to die early on in next season right well she's definitely a wild card Uh, i mean where does she go from here does she go track down a a reporter who can kind of help her get her story out and maybe immunize her from the death of stamper and i don't know and the other thing is who kills her because frank is frank shed all the blood so far and he can no longer do that oh no no he can't as soon as he became vice president and he had secret service with him everywhere he was done with that um I don't know. I don't know where she goes, and I don't know how that plays out, but I think that's going to be an immediate threat he has to deal with next season. 
Yeah, and that's one of the things we I remember asking at the end of our marathon of season one is like, you know, how can they continue to raise the stakes and yet still maintain this as believable? Uh I thought they did a really good job of continually raising the stakes, and most I believed most of what went on. Sure, nothing really said struck me as implausible, um, except for some of the things like you know we kind of bitch about American politics in particular. But again, that's not implausible so much as I just didn't like it. Yeah, yeah. Do you think they can maintain that tightrope balance in uh, season three? I hope they will. Yeah. As Frank as a president? Yeah. It's got to be more and more difficult for him to do the type of things he's been doing. And, I mean, he's gaining more political power, but he's also gaining less uh, less freedom of movement. Do you, So it seems like he is fixed he's going about uh, cuz he call he's caused most of the problems and crisis the country is facing and he's <laughs> able to quickly end a lot of these so yeah, i super see, smart i see a season 3 opening with you know tusk is now um beholden to him i think tusk might be out the door because he ultimately betrayed him in the end right no he ultimately say he ultimately did what frank wanted to oh, do yeah, when yeah, when, he when he forced remy's hand yeah, because he wanted to get the president impeached, and then uh, yeah, and Tusk was one of the few to do that. And Tusk, and so I think he he'll take care of Tusk, and they won't be partners, but but Tusk will be a powerful pawn for him. He'll still have the president's ear in a certain way. He's got Jackie, mm-hmm. uh, kinda, although she's <laughs> a little bit of a wild card. He's uh-huh. got the House leadership. He's got the Senate leadership. Yep, he's going to got- have uh, that Mike. Uh, Michael Kern. Uh, Kern. Yep. Uh, he's got the Secretary of State. I mean, he's got a lot of powerful pieces put in place, so he could probably do a lot of "quote unquote" good things and get a lot mm-hmm. of good press. And then these scandals he did, he caused to get here, is what's going to be yeah. probably what brings him down. Sure. Uh, what do you think about him? Uh, his promise to Kern to make him the Secretary of the Treasury. You think he's going to follow through with that? Yes. He'd okay. be an idiot not to. Yeah, I think he has to. He's gotten what he wants. Why wouldn't he throw a bone? You know? Plus, I love that. I actually like the actor from his William Boone days of Earth Final Conflict. <laughs> a terrible show. No, first, I, I will fight anyone <laughs> that says uh, the first the, 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 the first season of Earth Final Conflict wasn't good. All it right. went off the fucking rails after that. But kind of uh, like this podcast, is. <laughs> Kevin Kilner, that's his name. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about how Frank got into the position of president, uh, because it was absolutely masterful. The way that he, you know, he uses this confession that he writes to the president and uh, this letter to get the president back on his side while simultaneously working directly against him. And it was his I'm pushing all my chips in the middle table. Or yes. in the middle of the table because that the president had Huge everything gamble. he needed to send him to jail. Yes. And probably in most of his involvement with the scandal as well. Yeah, I, I think so. So he – And he chose to once again trust even though Frank tells him on the phone, look, I am a liar. I swindle people. I cheat people. I manipulate because, but, that's, but not I, you. Yeah, but not that's, you. That's what I like to portray because it gets me what I want and this blah blah blah. But yeah, yeah. Um, and I, then he and then he goes along with it. And he does it again, exactly the way he did before. Yeah, I, I that initially rubbed me the wrong way, but then as I was watching it unfold, I realized that again the president only sees 
the letter, which is yeah. him putting his political life in his hands. Mm-hmm. And for what I don't understand is why did the president rescind the offer to Tusk before his testimony? And that, and I, I wish I could watch it again. It'll be interesting to because that's the one linchpin. Yeah. That's what caused everything to go bad. Yeah, that's what caused Tusk to testify. Yeah. Well, that and the fact that, uh, you know, because he was going to stick with the plead the fifth strategy. Yeah. Remy signaling, <laughs> which seemed like it was just a maneuver. Remy, Remy signaling that he's going to meet and sing on him was yep. what pushed him into frank's camp yeah it was totally it was a combination of those two right like i no longer have a deal and the president kind of stabbed me in the back here but the, pre- for the president Remy. that seemed just like tusk stabbed him in the back sure for and and the yeah. president didn't know that frank had that that frank knew about the pardon uh-huh so that was the other key thing that i think that somehow that all fits in but i just don't understand why the president would withdraw the pardon deal from tusk right before the testimony because he if he wanted to do that he could always do it later yeah yeah it wasn't like there was anything in writing sure uh the the other thing i noticed with um frank manipulating the president here is while he's doing it he's working on his models and it finally struck me why frank does this because frank likes to meticulously move these pieces into place and set things up the way he wants them this is an extension of what he does at the white house this is just him putting pieces of a puzzle together in a specific fashion, right? Yeah. I mean, it does relax him, but it's also an extension of what he, what kind of person he is and what he does every day. It's an affectation the writers chose to give him because yeah. it, th- it fits in with the, the theme. It's a little, I like it. I think it works. Do you? Okay. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was a little on the nose for me. Sure. And they play it a lot. They do. They play that card all the time. And that's one of the weaknesses I'm noticing in the writer. The, the writers is once some... <laughs> Once a, a player or an actor or a character leads off with a allegory, every fucking piece of dialogue out of everyone's mouth within a 30-yard radius <laughs> has to follow that till the bitter end. Should I start barking? Well, that, that's the – like Remy and Tusk did it too. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, it's it's – I don't. I, I can't even remember what it was, but it's something about uh, you know if you throw the grenade, then I'll <laughs> jump behind the bunker. Well, if the bunker explodes, then I'll be there with the fire extinguisher. Well, if you have the fire extinguisher, don't expect me to have the bucket of sand. You know, it's like, <laughs> goddamn, real people don't talk that way, and I don't even know that it's cool. Sometimes yeah. it's cool, but a lot of times it just comes off as silly. Sure, absolutely. Uh, we don't talk a ton in these instant casts about like shots and lighting and stuff like that but there was one shot that really struck me and it was the underground shot with uh the meeting between frank and tusk where frank walks down this long hall in the dark and stops facing the opposite You're direction talking about of at tusk. the opera yes where he explained to him about the legend of dark plagius darth plagius <laughs> exactly okay yeah All right. i mean he's totally trying to convert him to the dark side there um but no, they, they both stop uh frank stops they're both facing different directions there while they're talking i just yeah. thought it was a brilliantly set up shot and, and with the lighting in the, with the uh the darkened hallway in the front the lit hallway in the back it was very cool why we're praising the shot and cinematography i gotta call attention to uh something that they haven't done a lot this season mm-hmm. uh, but they did really to good effect is the opening is a bunch of different it's like cnn or uh c-span footage and yeah. uh like 60 minutes footage and the way they shoot it is it to look exactly like those sh- shows look Sure, and that I interview think, looked really good. I think that's really freaking cool. Absolutely, 
definitely. Um, going back to Tusk a little bit, when he turns on the president uh, during his testimony, I think that's that is the perfect thing for Tusk to do at that moment because, mm-hmm. especially after you know Underground and the Opera, um, the talk that he has with Frank. Frank pleads with him to be a businessman. Think like a businessman. You have always you have built your fortune minimizing risk, mm-hmm. um, and it would be a betrayal of his character, I think, not to connect the dots and make the decision there that it is nothing like doing what I'm doing is not going to get me anywhere. If I roll over on him, I'm actually going to. I, he maintains that that what he's doing is legal. So I think in his mind, he thinks this is the best option, mm-hmm. and it has the lowest risk. So I thought that was good. Um, why don't – were you going to say something? Yeah, Frank's story about his dad's bullshit, right? Cause I, I, with his thing, dad with the shotgun in the One barn. thing about his father is I don't understand I, – I take the stuff he says directly at us in the camera to be the truth. Uh-huh. But how much of that do you think is fiction? Was his father a violent man? Was his father a drinker? Was his father suicidal? I tend to believe that. I don't know why. It, it's maybe something about how he said to Tusk when he was in his house uh, that his father was not really a great man. The thing is, but he, he gave good advice. When he was writing that letter, it seemed like he was actually writing. Like uh, there was like a, this brief delay where Kevin Spacey kind of looked up and oh, I know, and he just started yeah. launching that suicide story. It's like that didn't hmm. seem like something that he was bringing out of his recollection. It's some. It felt to me like it's something he invented out of whole cloth, but you could be right. You can't really tell, and I sure. don't know that it matters so much. Except for I try to find things that tell us stuff about his relationship. Yeah, it would his, definitely his personality. It would add a wrinkle to the the interchange between him and the president there. Um, on a more on a more human note, mm-hmm. I really liked the way they handled the resolution of the Megan plotline, which mm, was their poster yeah. child for the. Uh, sexual assault prevention bill mm-hmm. and we find out she went and literally jumped in a lake yep uh she's on a heavy dose of lithium she seems really checked out and this is a kind of the flip side of what i said about idealists on the last podcast that you know that they don't understand how the real world works but they also pay a very high toll to be trying to push society in this because she was talking about how people on online and letters and screaming at her in real life or calling her a whore a slut yeah liar bitch that the I don't know that anyone has a thick thick enough skin to endure that for long. Yeah, certainly not an extended period of time. We're just um, not as humans designed to sustain that much withering social pressure, and it yeah. clearly has wrecked her as a human being. Sure, and it wrecks Claire um, as well. Seeing what Claire has done to this woman. Not only that, but then when Trisha calls <laughs> and thanks her and tells yeah. her what a good person it is, she's fundamentally different than Frank. Uh-huh. I don't think she's as – she's not quite as calculating or at least – She actually gives a shit. We talked about this in the last episode. She cares about things. She cares about – she still does it. Uh-huh. But it does cost her – in a way that I don't think it does, Frank. Yeah. I think you're right about that. Um, so, Frank is now president. Is there any chance that he is still connected to all this and gets impeached himself? Certainly. I, I think that, it, to me, this feels like next season is going to be the last. And 
it's got to end with his death or dishonor or something. I mean, okay. would it feel like House of Cards if if he went down as the greatest president in history? I actually, that I don't know. Feel like House of Cards, yeah, yeah. I think it might. Um, if he can just totally shirk reality and make people bend to what he wants them to think, I that might be the fitting in for this. It kind of be like the anti, uh, the anti Breaking Bad. Yeah, that was all about karma and how, regardless of your intentions and regardless of what you wanted to happen, you still pay a price for your sins. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting if it turned around and be like, nope, the bad people actually win, and sometimes they're the best. You know, they're 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 the best leaders. That's kind of a that's it, kind of a Game of Thronian point. <laughs> okay, that's like you know some people like oh well, you know if, if only Ned was king, eh, Ned would be a terrible king. Yeah, I, I think that would be kind of a fitting in for the series, and I would not mind if it ended that way. I think a lot of people might be pissed. Um, people tend to like happy endings for good people, and that would certainly not be one. Yeah, if this was just unapologetic, there's no uh-huh. no Act Three Scarface or Goodfellas where there's some <laughs> punishment or some, it's just yep, the bad guys win, and not only that, but they're the they were better at their jobs than the good guys. Yeah. You would prefer to have Frank Underwood as a president than you would <laughs> like a Donald Blythe. Uh-huh. Ah, rough justice, but I don't know. That might be cool. Speaking of Donald Blythe, I think that's very interesting. Um, what about him? We see him grow. We uh, He went through a lot of growth as a character from the stereotypical far-left liberal that is you know politically impotent to a guy who I still I think he sees a lot of kinship in Jackie. Do you think an interesting plotline for season three might be a war for Jackie's soul with Donald Blythe on one end and Frank on the other? It could be, yeah. And Remy thrown in the mix would be even more interesting, right? Yeah. Where's what is a position in the White House commiserate with his experience and loyalty? <laughs> I said garbage man. While I was we see, that, could, that could be all the way from garbage man to chief of staff. Uh huh. What do you think of chief of staff? Uh. Wow, Doug Stamper's dead. Yeah, he's not doing anything next Se- season. It, could it be Seth? I mean, it's it's got to be Seth or Remy, right, for chief of staff. Hmm. I don't. I don't think Frank would give. I, I I do not think Frank would give Remy chief of staff after after the ordeals that he's been through this season with Remy. He doesn't even know what side this guy's playing for it anymore, right? Well, but that's that's his, his protege. Yeah, that's true. I feel like Seth has a, b- a better shot. He's a fantastic character, a great actor. Oh, yeah. I would be – I mean, he's got to be in a position where he actually has something to do. And he's – Yeah. He's – he. it seems like his career as a lobbyist is over. And it seems like he's yeah. also finally learned a lesson about money and power, although I liked his take uh-huh. on it. Like, power is the best, but – as long as it lasts, and it never does. Sure, yeah. So that was kind of... Is that a warning to us for next season, what's going to happen to Frank? C- certainly. Okay. Certainly. Uh, well, before we tap our rings on the desk here, <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, that was a perfect end, end scene, by the way. Just okay, yeah. A gorgeous office porn shot mm-hmm. of the Oval Office with just beautiful lighting. And in him wrapping that ring on the the desk, it's pretty fucking awesome. Oh man! And 
I'm a sucker for solid wooden desks with leather tops. I, I can't get enough. Indeed. That's going to be the bald move desk at some point. <laughs> going to get a replica of the Resolute desk made for sure. our offices. Let's do it. That won't cost too much money. <laughs> um, so I, what do you think about – let's talk about – this is the first time we've done anything like this. It's a marathon. Yeah. Um, and we've done two. What, so how do you think it went? What what do you what do you do you like about this process? Um, I liked that we were able to get content out to people who were craving it uh, before they could realistically expect it. <laughs> yeah, I I think I think there's we, we uh, definitely have people the want first, that right. We have the first the first flag planted on the moon for sure. <laughs> okay, uh, if you want a podcast for Game of Thrones season two, we have the market. We we own all the corners for now. It probably won't yeah. last for another even week, but uh, for now we got it, and that did that did feel good, and and I, I felt good to have all the listener support too. I mean, we had a lot absolutely. of absolutely praise on Facebook and private messages and. Twitter and emails, and so I I feel like that was good. Uh, The other thing that I really liked about it is watching these episodes back-to-back does not leave me a week between them to forget what happened the previous week. Yeah. So it's very easy to catch things that have happened in the past and are now feeding into the latest episodes. Yep. Uh, I feel like that's a big advantage of doing it this way. I think it's slightly – the format we've adopted in these particular instant casts where we don't do scene by scene but we do more like a threaded analysis where we go through each particular thread, I found myself liking that a lot. Uh Uh-huh. It was more interesting for me to do – it it really consolidated and sharpened up the notes. And you never heard us say, oh, well, let's wait to talk about that until – I wonder what – I would love to hear people's feedback on what they think of that, mm-hmm. you know, going forward as, like, do they really like the scene-by-scene? Scene? The weakness of it is I don't feel like there's as many much rooms to make jokes because a lot of the scene-by-scene scene stuff is I actually put my jokes in there or the things I thought were funny. Yeah. And when we're just talking themes, you don't think about the little, like, side jokes and stuff like that. So I feel like the cast weren't as funny maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think that might be a downside. Not not quite as entertaining, more analytical, I guess. Yeah. Uh, what didn't you like about this process? It was way more exhausting than I thought. <laughs> I think my, I hit my limit right around four episodes per day. Like an eight-hour stint of just solid podcasting and watching. Part of that was we fucked up. We actually had a schedule where we thought we were going to get up at a certain time, a certain date, and we've been working our way towards that. Uh-huh. And somehow, and I don't still understand how we didn't we didn't catch this. None of the thousands of people listening to us caught this. Nobody in our friends and family circle. We've been saying the whole time it comes out on Valentine's Day, the fourteenth. We've also been saying Saturday at 3 a.m. <laughs> that was wrong. It came out of Friday at 3 a.m., which left us scrambling. You had to drive. Yeah. I mean, I woke up at 4 a.m. preparing to wake up at 3 a.m. the next night, and I looked online, and I was like, oh, my God, House of Cards is out already. So you, I called you up, and I was like, we need to get this done, and I packed my shit, and I drove over here. And thank God, because we had a bad storm coming in, you yeah. had already planned to leave early, so it wasn't. We weren't, I mean, that caught out of, off guard because had uh-huh. it not, you wouldn't have planned on being here till 7 p.m. And yeah. we would have lost a full day. So we had to probably podcast later with the same, but with the same sleep deprivation. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's, it's been more exhausting than I thought. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, really the judge of, I think, whether or not we want to do this again is whether you guys respond to it. I was slightly worried that our – and I I wonder about that uh, episode 211 – (laughs) <laughs> the one we recorded kind of against their better judgment last night. Yeah, yeah, that um, was probably I, a mistake. But yeah, I wonder if people, if, if there's a noticeable slip in our quality on that one. Sure. Um, but yeah, I. That's the, the thing. If we do this again, uh, versus, I mean, we're certainly always going to cover House of Cards. Yeah. But the marathon style, it's it's whether that pays off as far as people downloading and appreciating it and all that. And that's just, you know, it's going to take probably two months to be able to judge that because of the way we have no idea how many people watch Netflix. Mm -hmm. We have no idea how many of our regular listenership watches House of Cards and the usage patterns all over the map. I mean, there's crazy people like us that watched it the the first weekend. Some people watched it the first day. (laughs) Um, There's people that watch it once a week. There's people to watch it in burst here and there. Um yeah, it, it's it was a big experiment for us, and that's definitely one of the hard things. The the negatives. What about you? Uh, as far as the marathon w- stuff, what I didn't like about it. Yeah, um, I felt like I my limit was somewhere around four podcasts, and when we tried to push past that, as we needed to do to get all the content out there, uh, it was. I I feel like my quality uh, really suffered for it. I wish. This was a ten episode season because we could do easy, we could do uh, two three days and one four day yeah without breaking a sweat sure but five and six podcasts uh, is is it's it's tough I thought and it's funny because I had originally envisioned this as us just doing thirteen episodes in one one shot yeah it's not gonna happen yeah we found <laughs> out that the first, when we tried to do which I'm glad we did season one as a tri- as a as a test run. Yeah, There's just no way. It takes our, about two hours to do one, so we're looking at 26 hours straight. Yeah, our, our podcasts, like 8, 9 through 13, would just be like us making random gibberish animal noises. Yeah, pretty much. And falling asleep on the mic. <laughs> I would look like Stamper at the end of it. <laughs> and not even the dead Stamper, the alive Stamper, who's aged 15 years yeah, over the end of the season. <laughs> indeed. So, I don't know. I I would like to do this again if you guys think it's worth our time. For sure. Anything else we want to talk about? Nope, I'm good. All right, cool. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the trip with us. And uh, as we say, we will be starting. I don't know if we'll start it this week, but definitely the next week. Because um, you're you're you've got a lot going on this week. Yeah, I'm moving, uh, and we're then going out of town the next week. And like until from now until the end until the beginning of March is you know booked solid. But we will be doing a uh, longer form with feedback and more analysis for all of the season. And uh, we will look to revisit you there. And uh, we got still Walking Dead raging. Yep. We're lumbering, (laughs) (laughs) moaning and shambling across the podcast landscape. Uh, So, all right. uh, Thanks for going on the trip with us, guys. It's been fun. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. So that's it for our instant take, but starting next week, we'll be doing a longer, more in-depth weekly cast for House of Cards. Be sure to send us your thoughts and feedback to houseofcards at baldmove.com, and we just might read it on air. 
If you've enjoyed our show, please help us get our new House of Cards podcast launched in style by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes. You can also support us by using our Amazon affiliate link when you shop online. Just go to amazon.baldmove.com and we'll get a tiny cut of Amazon's profits from whatever you buy on that session. Best of all, it costs you nothing. Be sure to tell your friends, family, and coworkers about Bald Move. Also, check out our website for all our other television coverage for Game of Thrones, Mad Men, Walking Dead, Breaking Bad, and Downton Abbey, and all of our general pop culture casts like Personal Arrogance and The Because Show. Keep up with the latest on Twitter at Bald Move and on Facebook.com slash Bald Move. See you next episode.